Brother, when we talk about church history, you've got a couple of minutes uh, mm. before the hour is up. Can you believe how fast time flies on a mm. Friday? When we talk about church history, what did happen in this week of church history? Well, let, let me again ask you guys a question. When I'm going I'm to mention a name, I'm gonna, I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to mind, all right? Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Eyes closed. I'm thinking. Go for it. Charles Spurgeon. <laughs> first thing that comes to mind? Prince of Preachers. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, you probably beat me to it. Now, all I've got left is um, 22. 22. Yeah, did you see how I left the pause after that? Because then you think, well, what has 22 got to do with Spurgeon? Something there's, about his age. No, there's at least, <laughs> well, you're right. But he, in fact, he started earlier. I think mm. he started at 16, and by 21, he had started Spurgeon's college. But 22 is the number of Baptist pastors in South Africa that were directly sent out by Charles Spurgeon sure. that I've tracked. So there was a time that I was the archivist for the Baptist Historical Society, which basically proves that I'm a big nerd. Um, but <laughs> While I was doing that, I, I, I had the opportunity of looking at the founders of the union and how many of them were graduates of Spurgeon's College and how many of them actually came across um, uh, directly sent um, by Spurgeon uh, to plant 1689 Baptist churches in the Eastern Cape and there and there's about. Anyway, what is, uh, sure. t- tell us about Spurgeon. So, yeah. Because I like Spurgeon. Yeah, same. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of profound things about Spurgeon. Like, he, he's, he's known today as the Prince of Preachers. He was a profound writer. Uh, he transformed the way modern ministry is done. For example, uh, from his ministry, I think he was like the de facto chairman of like 66 different organizations <laughs> that their church founded. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, or. Charities that give um, food and clothes to orphanages, to charities that that uh, collect funds to buy books to send it to rural pastors, so that they can have resources to to use in their ministry. So he he did a lot. He he founded the the Spurgeon's College, as you mentioned. Uh, and so Spurgeon, it might have been younger, by the way. Uh, yeah, twenty one came to mind, but it it might have been before that. I'm not sure, but it it would make sense. He started preaching and pastoring, uh, you know, officially at the age of sixteen, going on to 17 and he was called to to go to london at the age of 18 started pastoring uh, in london at the age of 19 uh and when he started the the church a uh, handful of people shot up to like 200 people in within a few weeks and then within a few months it shot up from 200 attendees to 2000 um and so he, he he was known as having a profound gift of teaching but but not just that he was a good speaker the people in his day and age uh both compliment and criticize him for the way he preached the bible um because in those days it it seemed maybe i don't know if it was all of the english world but at least in london the preachers were known of uh, known for using the the academic language yes. in the pulpit uh, they would be called professors that's right and spurgeon was just preaching the gospel or the bible in the everyday man's language yeah uh and so the media would lambast him saying it, he's vulgar uh he doesn't respect the pulpit or but the people loved it the people were hungry to know what god is ta- teaching them what yes. god wants them to know from his word and that's what spurgeon did and i'm sure of anyone who's read any s- literature from spurgeon whether it be a booklet a pamphlet or, or a sermon like spurgeon is the master of the metaphor I don't think, like, I think he'll give Shakespeare a challenge in his use of, of metaphors. Like I Spurgeon mean, really, an uh, unbelievable writer. You, you, I, I've accessed Spurgeon. 
possibly more, but certainly um, in relation to any other writer, I've 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 read Spurgeon's sermons, and. Uh, in much the same way that if you've ever read Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, it is filled with rich metaphor. So too Spurgeon, spoken metaphor, just kind of poured out of his poured out of his mouth. I've, I've mm. got I've got handwritten Spurgeon sermons, interestingly, wow. uh, that I've that I've handled at the Baptist Theological College, and um, his notes were terrible. I mean, he just like <laughs> scrawl. Uh, in fact, the, the one that I've got, I tracked it to the actual sermon that he preached. He he only writes out his first two points. He doesn't write out his third point that came to him while he was preaching and just a couple of little jots of scriptures um, and then the rest was extemporaneous in other words he didn't preach from a manuscript he, he preached basically from mm. from 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 the pulpit uh, as as he was as he was under the anointing um, but but what a master of the use of the English language truly definitely and a deep knowledge of both um uh, uh, writers, yeah, I don't know if he had an eidetic mem- memory, but but he certainly could call to mm. to mind that which he had read, um, and then the use of 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 hymns. Um, often, as you get to his third point, before you get to his conclusion, he had burst out in hymn mm. uh, and and kind of like. Rip- Peter refrain like the third verse of this hymn or that hymn it was quite quite extraordinary he definitely had a a brilliant mind he had a a very blessed gifted mind Um, there's this one story that he recounted when he was a little boy I can't remember what the age was that he mentioned maybe six or seven years old when he was still living with his grandparents he he mentioned that his his grandfather said that you'd give him a penny or a shilling I can't remember what it was for for every hymn that he would memorize and eventually he, he started memorizing them so fast, like a hymn a day, that he said his father changed the terms of the agreement that said for every rat that he captures in the barn, he'll get a, a shilling. As a Spurgeon comments that he exchanged the exchanged occupation from hymn singing to rat catching <laughs> at a young age. Yeah. So he had, a, he had a brilliant mind. But one of the things that a lot of people don't know about Spurgeon is that he, he actually seemed to have suffered from some case of severe depression. Uh, melancholy yes <laughs> that's that's what he calls it um yeah. uh, he calls it a darkness that 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 consumes his soul sometimes um and especially now this was the time of the year where the what they call if i if i remember correctly the surrey gardens musical hall tragedy yes while he was preaching there were some some troublemakers who were shouting fire and that the balconies and the gallery the uh, the gal- galleries are giving way and um obviously Spurgeon was preaching to thousands of people and the the the, the hall was so big that what happened on one side of the hall you wouldn't know on the other side of the yes. hall and when word got to him people had already been rushing out of the theater trampling on each other unfortunately if i remember correctly seven people were killed in the tragedy and 28 people were injured and it turned out there was no fire there was no emergency there was people just trying to disrupt the service and they it worked and that put Spurgeon, and, and this week was one of the worst weeks uh, for him when he was alive back then, in a great severe darkness where where he, he, he felt, he said, he felt like the Lord left him, like his soul had died. Mm. Um, but what I appreciate about Spurgeon and what, something I, I, I take away from this is that in Spurgeon we see that doubt is directional. That doubt either takes you away from God 
in mm. Spurgeon's case, it, it, it pushes you to God. It, it makes sure. you run towards God. Yes. And despite Spurgeon feeling like he had been left by God, he pursued the Lord in prayer and meditation and scripture. And it was one day while he was sitting in the garden under a tree, it says, like a flash of lightning, it felt like a soul had returned to him and the fellowship with God he had at that moment. And from there on, he had never experienced in his life mm. before. Mm. And for me, you know, as someone who I tend to be like a David Brainerd, I think more towards the, the heavier side of life compared to some of my friends that they just, everything is just whistle, whistle through yes, life yeah. and skip while they're doing it. So for me that that's something that I take away from that uh, that I appreciate that this great man the, the great prince of preachers who had the severe struggles that people didn't see. He went into the pulpit and he preached and people just, wow this guy you know he's got the anointing as you said yeah. and meanwhile he's struggling uh, inside of himself but he his doubt pushed him to Christ, not further away from Christ. Mm. Hey, I mean, we're having a chat, the three of us, and I'm glad to have the chat. And Peter, thank you so much for bringing that in. But I am, I do recognize that people are listening in right now, uh, that there will be those who are struggling with doubt. There will be those who are struggling uh, with difficulty. There will be those that are struggling with the turmoils and the tribulation of this life. May this be an encouragement to you that those who are in Christ are not immune from the difficulties and the travails of this life. But those that, have, that are in Christ have Christ. <laughs> and uh, uh, when we are going through times of struggle in this life, friends, allow that to be a moment which drives you to your Savior, Jesus. Um, he says at the beginning, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And he is enough to give you rest, even in your present moment of tribulation. Mm. Anything to add there, Jonathan? Yeah, I just uh, this, the story that Peter is sharing is, is so helpful because um, the verse that uh, Charles Spurgeon came to is from Philippians 2 and verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name and at the reading of that that verse uh, his strength returned and I believe he actually preached on that verse the following week and just a reminder that that in this that's where we should be driven to to the one who's been highly exalted uh, who has the name above every name mm. and the joy and meaning and life and all that comes with being in him yes. is there yeah. now now I see we we're actually fast approaching the the top of the hour but I, I don't want to leave until we give a little bit more pastoral insight here because uh, a person might listen to that and say okay I must come to Jesus but that sounds a little bit like somebody saying take a panado for the pain but the pain right now is so deep mm. and the hurt is so great um, is that enough and I, I want to affirm again that that is enough but my friend there are many means of grace that you might use in order to appropriate Jesus in the midst of your darkness um, you have been given prayer uh, you know in the book of Romans it talks about the Holy Spirit moving in our hearts um, causing us to you know groan interpreting our prayers before the throne of God we have prayer um, we have the Lord's table which is a means of grace to us as we come together with other believers and share in communion the body and the blood of Christ and remember uh, the great uh, price which Jesus has paid um, for us there's the fellowship of believers don't underestimate the fellowship of believers if you are in a dark place and yet you have alienated yourself from the people of God from communion and by communion I mean 
engagement, uniting yourself together with God's people, can I encourage you to, to go to church, find a good church, a Bible teaching church. And speaking of Bible teaching, sitting under the regular preaching of God's word is one of the means of grace which God gives us even in the midst of tribulation. And then um, also do not underestimate um, the way that God can minister to you through a pastor, through an elder, through a mature person of a local church in terms of counseling um, and speaking to you in the midst of trial and tribulation. No, no, that's that's so true. And uh, one of the one of the the things I appreciate about Spurgeon is how he he just calls people to Christ. And that's mm. what I always try to do. Is um, he, he makes it clear that you don't need to be intelligent or have a high IQ mm. or have everything sorted out. You don't need to be a scholar. We are ordinary people. <laughs> that, I mean, that's yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, Spurgeon would be very clear about that. Mm. And and quoting Paul, <laughs> you know, we're not the princes of this world. Yeah. We're the people of this world, and, and we need Jesus. And again, to go back to a conversation we had, I think the last two Fridays is that Christ desires to save sinners. Yes. He desires to glorify His Father by saving sinners. That He's not up there at the right hand of God, seeing how He can catch you out. You know. Ah, uh, you thought you believed, but you didn't. Ha ha! Not at all. That's like that's so not the Christ that we see from the scriptures. That He is the the meek and gentle and lowly Savior who calls those who are lost, those who are weary and tired, to Himself. And there's there's no greater hope. Just look mm. to Jesus. And maybe even to say, Peter, we, we do rightfully talk about the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. But that's not all he is. He's also God, eternal, mm. immortal, invisible, only wise. Mm. He, he has all the power in the universe. Whatever you are going through, however difficult your situation looks before you, the reality is Jesus is enough to get you safely through to the other end. Mm. Yesterday I was at a funeral. Uh, the preacher, uh, Charles, uh, from Central Baptist Church was preaching from the book of Romans chapter 8 and specifically looking at the fact that God works out everything for the good. And the question is, well, who does he work that out for and what is the good? And ultimately the good is salvation and he works it out mm. for those who are in Christ, who love Christ on the one side of that refrain and for those who are called on the other side of that refrain so the the human responsibility and um, but this divine sovereignty that will not let go of us never mind how dark and how desperate and how terrible things get we are held safely in the hands of a god that is immutable and a god who is infinite and a god who is invincible 